Dankeschön. Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Praise God. Amen. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. We're so excited to be here this morning, worshiping the Lord with you today. Isn't God good? Amen. He's good all the time. We just want to welcome you to Pleasant Grove Assembly of God. We're believing God with you today, and we're excited to be here. Praise the Lord. I just have an announcement I want to share with you, and this is regarding our special Christmas celebration here at Pleasant Grove that's going to take place next Sunday. And we're exciting. Our our ensemble will be ministering uh, in both services, the 9 and the 1045 service. And then our children will be ministering in the 1045 service. So we're excited about that. So we want to invite you to come out and join us as we celebrate the birth of our Lord and our Savior. Also, you'll find on the table out front, there are some invitations. We encourage you to grab a couple of those and let's invite some people to come and join in this celebration with us. Amen? Amen. Well, praise God. Don't you just love the Christmas season? You know, I love the Christmas season. You know, I was thinking this morning how, you know, for Christmas we always have those things that we want, right? You know, and as we get older, I find that the things that I want have changed considerably. How many of you know what I mean? And I can tell you this morning, you may not get everything you want, but you can have everything that God promised you. Amen? You can have everything. That He promised. You can experience His love, His peace, and His joy. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but that excites me. Oh, glory. That as children of God, because He came, we can experience His fullness and the riches of His glory. Will you stand this morning as we worship our King this morning? Hallelujah. We want to believe God today. And we want to thank Him for... The miracle of Christmas. That God became flesh and He dwelt among us. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, let's pray and worship God this morning. Heavenly Father, we love You this morning. Lord, we thank You for this Christmas season. God, and for what it means to us today, Lord God. And Father, we thank You that we can experience You through faith in Jesus Christ, Lord God. That we can experience Your love and Your peace and Your joy, Lord God, this morning that comes from a relationship with You, Lord God. Father, we thank You for the miracle of Christmas, Lord. 
And this morning as we come, we celebrate You. We celebrate our Lord and our Savior, Lord, this morning. And we offer our worship to You, Lord God. May Your glory fall fresh in this place this morning. In Jesus' name, Amen.
joyful shout unto the Lord this morning. We serve a good God. Amen. Aren't you glad that he came? Thank you, Jesus.
Lord, we love you and praise you. We thank you, Jesus, that you're with us and you're for us. That you didn't leave us, that you came to us, died for us. And now you live for us and you walk with us, talk with us. We thank you, Lord, for the abiding presence that we enjoy. And Lord, help us to always recognize that and reverence that. Help us to always allow that to have an impact on how we live and how we think and how we believe. You are with us wherever we go. You are with us regardless of what we face. You're with us and you're for us. Help us to embrace that. Help us to constantly recognize that and have that awareness in our lives. Let it strengthen our faith and steady us in all that we do. We love you, Lord. Now speak to us through your word. Speak to hearts, encourage hearts, and release the working of your power to demonstrate your might and your glory. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Good morning. If you have your Bibles, please go to 1 Peter, the third chapter, verse 12. We're going to read one verse from 1 Peter, and then we're going to go back to the book of Acts and We'll look at a story from the life of Peter. So 1 Peter, chapter 3, and verse 12. The Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their prayer, but the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. Now, if you would, let's go to Acts 12, Acts chapter 12, and let's look at an episode from Peter's life. And Let's see the working of God in it. Acts 12 and verse 1 says, It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church and intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this pleased the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for a public trial after the Passover. Verse 5, So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. That night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and the sentry stood guard at the entrance, and suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up! And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Then the angel said to him, Put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. What the angel told him. And Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was just seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. and They went through it. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. And then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. Let's spend a few minutes this morning preaching about waking up to a miracle or a closer look, a closer look. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you give us these stories to encourage our faith and show us how you work in the earth and Lord, I pray that hearts will be greatly encouraged this morning as they remember what you did for Peter, you will do for them. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, 
This is a story from the life of Peter, and it really should give us several assurances to encourage us in the difficult days of our lives. Waking up to a miracle. I mean, Peter did. He had an angel as an alarm clock. And this morning, I want us to notice that this is the third time Peter's in confinement. The third time. And we can learn a bit um, as we look closer at what happened and really how God was working in this wonderful story. This is the third time he was arrested. The first time he was with um, John. That's Acts 4. Remember at the, at the gate, beautiful. Silver and gold we don't have, but what we have I give unto thee. And there's a healing of that lame man. And then the next chapter, chapter 5, he's with the other apostles and there's such a miracle flow going on. Peter's shadows healing people. And the religious leaders, the Sadducees in particular, got upset and jealous and angry and they arrested them. But this time's a little different. This third time, this is a different experience. For number one, it did not follow a victory. It followed a terrible tragedy. It didn't follow a healing. It followed the martyrdom of James. But secondly, this time Peter was alone. He wasn't with the other apostles in the encouragement of the brethren. That makes a difference. Earlier, all he faced were threats and some beatings. But this time, there was execution that awaited. The other times, the apostles were quickly delivered. But not this time. Peter was kept in prison and deliverance was delayed. That tries our faith when deliverance is delayed. Amen? Anybody can believe God during a sprint. I mean, anyone can believe God during a sprint. Anybody can stay in a diet for an hour. But I mean, once that lunch clock hits, amen, when there's a delay, that's when we really get our faith stretched. But I want you to remember this morning, no two testings are exactly the same. But the faithfulness and the resources of the Lord, they never, never change. They are new every morning. Great is the faithfulness of our God. You know, Peter might have had this experience from Acts 12 in mind when years later in 1 Peter he wrote, he quoted from the Psalms, but he wrote the verse we began with. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. And His ears, He's paying attention to our prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those that do evil. Again, that quotation kind of summarizes what happened in Acts 12. And it should encourage us today in our time of adversity. I want you to always remember this. In your time of testing, God sees your trials. God hears your prayers. And God deals with your enemies. We thank the Lord this morning. The battle is the Lord's battle. Can you say amen? What a wonderful relief comes to our souls. What a rest comes. A burden rolls off and we're reminded the battle is the Lord's battle. So just be peaceful. Receive the comfort of God and know the Lord goes before you to work His good work. Now, as we look through this story together, let's take a closer look. Let's take a closer look at behind the scenes what's happening here. Number one, I want you to notice there's two enemies, not one. We need to fight the right enemy. We need to fight the real enemy. You see, in the natural, the enemy, of course, was Herod, right? Herod Agrippa. And he was, um, his grandfather was the murderous man that killed all the babies in Bethlehem after Jesus was born. His uncle was that vile, demon-driven man that beheaded John the Baptist. Now, this Herod here, he was not well-liked by the Jewish people. And he wanted to win them over, so he attacked the church. He... um, arrested and killed James, arrested Peter. He persecuted the church to win favor with the Jews. But with a closer look, we see that Herod's attack upon the church is really just a picture of the real conflict of the ages, one of Christ versus Satan. 
And God's children and Satan have been at war from the beginning. In fact, God declared it way back in the Garden of Eden. And it won't stop until Satan and the Antichrist are thrown into the lake of fire. So like it or not, you and I, everyone here, we are involved in a spiritual conflict and we're either fighting with Christ or we're fighting against Christ. There is no neutrality. Choose ye this day whom you're going to serve, but you will serve someone. You are serving someone. Even if someone says, I'm not. No, no. Either you're for Christ or you're against Christ. There is no neutrality according to the Word of God. Now, Herod, of course, he was a wicked man, a vile man, perverted man. He was a murderous man. He was a a dangerous man, a proud man. But he was only a man. Behind Herod was the true enemy, our spiritual enemy, our spiritual foe. And that's the one we must be alert to. And that's the one we must be aware of. Because we can waste a whole lot of time and energy fighting the wrong enemy with the wrong weaponry. And as a believer, you and I must remind ourselves that the battle we fight is not against flesh and blood but it's against spiritual forces of darkness and wickedness. Our true enemy is the devil. Jesus called him a murderer from the beginning. Jesus said he's the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That he's a liar and a deceiver who blinds the minds of unbelievers and accuses and slanders the believers. Ephesians 6 and verse 12 tells us this clearly. Let's look at this for our our struggle. Or we wrestle not. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, authorities, powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces, spiritual forces. No, 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 not in law, spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. It's important to recognize the true enemy. Because we start fighting the wrong enemy with the wrong weaponries, we waste a whole lot of energy and we make a bigger mess out of what things really should be. We need to know the right enemy. If we are ignorant and forgetful, concerning the real enemy, then we will be ignorant and neglectful concerning the real weapons and authority that we have been given to defeat him and to win the proper victory. Jesus said to his people, said, Behold, I give you power over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. Power to trample on those spiritual snakes and serpents and all those other things that will try to consume you and defeat you and depress you. Oh, the Bible is very clear. We have been taught in the Word of God not to be ignorant of Satan's devices. That's why we study the book. That's why we read the Bible. So we can be wiser than our enemies. We've been taught in the Word of God to give no place to the devil. You can be a believer, but if you live foolishly and give place to the devil, he will consume you. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He'll destroy that marriage. He'll consume that peace. He'll uproot that victory if you let him. The Bible teaches us not to be ignorant of his devices, to give him no place. But the Bible is very, very clear that you and I that love the Lord, we have been given power, authority, and equipping to resist him and put him to flight, to overcome him and to defeat him in our personal lives. Most of you can remember how the Bible says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, Peter says, be alert, be aware, you can't be spiritually slumbering. You see, that's why it's important. Get the Bible study, beloved. Get to the Bible. Honor God's house. A lot of people have been saved a lot of years, but they're not very spiritually wise. They haven't put the time in to study the Word, to get into the place where they can be fed the Word and they can be challenged to grow up and be a healthy disciple for the Lord Jesus. Because First Peter 5 and 8 says, Be self-controlled and be alert. Be alert. Be alert. 
You can't be spiritually slumbering and just running about. There has to be a spiritual alertness. Why? Because your enemy, the devil, your enemy, the devil, he calls him by name. You got an enemy. It's the devil. It's not the other political party. It's not the neighbor across the street that plays his music too loud and too late. Your enemy, the devil, he prowls around. He's like a roaring lion. He's aggressive and he's attacking and he's desiring to consume and attack. He looks for someone to devour. He wants to destroy faith. He wants to defeat hope. He wants to crush your joy. Peter says, but resist him, standing firm in the faith. Resist him by believing what the Bible says. Resist him by living the way the Bible says to live. Because verse 9, when it says, resist him in the faith, it's not talking about just believing, it's talking about what we do believe. The faith. Resist him by living the Word, by loving the Word, and by demonstrating the Word. But then again, look at James 4 and 7. We are called not merely to succumb to the enemy. We're called not merely to ignore and make believe there is no such thing as the enemy. But James 4 and says, if we'll submit ourselves to God and we'll resist the devil, he will flee from us. What a thought. Peter says, be alert and be aware so you can resist. Now James says, make sure you you're properly submitted to God so you'll have real power and authority to resist. If I'm not submitted to God, I've got no strength of my own. If I'm not living the way I'm supposed to live with the Lord, that enemy knows that and he's not moved by what I say or how loud I sing. But oh, when I live a life, it's submission to the Lord. When we live our lives loving the Lord and walking obediently with the Lord, then we can resist the devil and he will Flee from who? From who? Not the Pope, not the bishop. He'll flee from you. Someone says, I'm just barely saved. It doesn't matter. Are you really saved? As long as you're really saved, I don't care if you're newly saved, as long as you're really saved and you're living the way you ought to live, not perfect, but from your heart sincerely doing your best to serve the Lord, then the Bible says you can resist the devil and he'll flee from you. You can stand against him, stand against him with the Word of God, stand against him with the blood of Jesus. Stand against Him with prevailing prayer. Stand against Him with the name that is above every name. Somebody, you don't got to put up with all that mess you're putting up with. There is a victory. Well, you got to stir yourself up. Paul said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you can take your stand. You got to mean business with that devil. You can't just play church games and wonder why poor me, poor me, poor nothing. God says, I've given you all things pertaining to life and to godliness. Greater is He that's within you than he that's in the world. So stir yourself up. Be reminded of what you possess and put it to work. Put it to work. Somebody say, put it to work. Oh, glory. Hey, hallelujah. Oh, bless His name. Oh, with a closer look. We see there's two enemies in this story. In the natural, there's Herod. And Herod had committed two terrible sins and God dealt with him severely. You want to read the end of this verse, the end of this chapter, you'll see how God dealt with him. Committed two terrible sins. He touched God's people. And he tried to share God's glory. And you see early in the chapter, an angel came, delivered people. Peter, at the end, an angel came and took Herod out, struck him down. 
And God will deal with your enemies, ladies and gentlemen. The Bible says, Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. You don't got to fight them. You don't got to hate on them. You walk in love. You pray for them. You just live the way Jesus told you to live. And God will deal with your enemies. Come on, say amen. Two enemies. That leads us to two, two thrones. Two thrones. Aren't you glad that there is a throne that's higher than Herod's? Yes, Lord. There is a throne higher than Herod's. Now, verse 5, very important verse in this story. Verse 5 is pivotal. It's a transformation verse. Herod thought he had a powerful throne. But God's throne is far greater than any earthly throne and any earthly authority. You see, the early church, friend, it had no political clout. It didn't have friends in high places to pull strings like they do today. And that gets the church in a lot of mess. We get too political for our own good. And that's why the church doesn't have the power it used to have. Amen? All right, say amen. But I know it's easier to be carnal and just be political than to be spiritual. It's easy to talk about, I don't like this and that, than to show up to the prayer meeting and be at the Bible church that the Word of God, oh, come on, I'm on, I'll get back to my sermon because I don't want you to ouch too loud this early. It might pull something. Amen. All right, the two thrones. I don't want you to pull anything. Amen. I'll say it again. Be a spiritual Christian. Don't just be a casual, carnal Christian. Jesus didn't die on a cross so we could get fire insurance and then just live like that didn't happen. He wants all of you. 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 Put every excuse aside. Say, Jesus, I'm giving you first place. I don't care if you're 100 years old. You still got two more days to live on this earth. Live it wholeheartedly for Jesus. Amen? If you're younger than that, then stop wasting time. Give God your best so He can use you and He can bless you. And this life can be fulfilled as it was intended. Glory be to God forever. That's all right. All right, let me get back to my sermon now. Two thrones. We don't need to appeal to the highest throne. The early church didn't have political clout. They didn't have friends in high places. Instead, they went to the highest throne of all. We need to appeal to that throne again and again. To that throne, we need to take our burdens and take our cares. To that throne, we need to run to in our hour of crisis and trial. To that throne, we need to cry out to and look to. I want to praise God that there is a throne that's called grace. And the early church, friend, was a praying church. They knew the glorious throne of their God was certainly greater than Herod's throne or Rome's throne or Washington's throne or Beijing or Moscow or London. Psalm 103 and verse 19, the Lord has established His throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. Let's look at that together. The Lord has established His throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. I love that. He rules over all, yet He hears the cries of His people. He rules over all, yet His eye is on the righteous and His ear is attentive to our cry. Oh, what a Lord we serve. What a comforting thought. God hears our prayers. He rules over all, yet He hears our prayers. He's acquainted with our grief. He's attentive to our dealings and what we're going 
going through. What a God we serve. Can you get this? He rules over all with power and glory, yet He knows the hair on, or lack thereof on our heads. Hallelujah. He knows everything we go through. He knows what we're facing. He's a God that reigns on high, but He comes down real low, right to where we need Him, right to where He can carry that burden, right to where He can give us that peace that we need. Oh, do you love the Lord this morning? Does anybody love Jesus? Go ahead and give Him a praise. My Lord. Oh, He's wonderful. He's wonderful. We love You, Lord. We love You, Lord. We love You, Lord. Oh, a comforting thought. What a thought. The One that loves us and knows us and cares. He reigns on high, but He comes down real low. Verse 5 was the turning point. They were appealing to the throne above all thrones. That church was praying earnestly to God. Verse 5 says, but the church... Herod had his intent. That man's throne had one agenda. But the church prayed earnestly to God for him. That changes everything. When the church prays earnestly to God, things on earth change. That prayer was a turning point. Never ever underestimate the power of a praying family, a praying marriage, a praying church, a praying person. Oh, my Lord. One preacher of old, back in the Puritan days, 1600s, you'll know the language, they said, the angel fetched Peter out of prison. But it was prayer that fetched the angel. <laughs> it was prayer that moved the hand of God to intervene. And prayer still brings thy kingdom to earth. Thy will be done in the lives of men. We ask ourselves that wonderful verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. What kind of prayer was it? Well, obviously, it was an earnest prayer. It was a fervent prayer. It was a constant prayer. It was an energetic prayer. It was a persevering prayer. It was a united prayer. It was a specific prayer. And we see this type of praying over and over and over throughout the Word of God. We see this type of praying in the life of Jesus. We see this type of praying in the life of Paul. We see this in the prophets of old and the apostles of the New Testament. James said the fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman availeth much. It's powerful and it's effective. Man, if we're going to pray, we might as well be effective in our prayers. Isn't that right? And it was a fervent prayer and earn a sincere prayer. This is the type of praying that understands it's coming boldly to the ruling, reigning throne of the universe. And friends, I want you to know once you get there, chains will fall and prison doors will open wide. Prayer to the Almighty, that's the key. Coming to the Father in Jesus' name. Do not let earthly thrones and authorities capture your vision or control your outlook or manipulate your emotions. There is another throne that we can run to. There is another throne where the Most High dwells and rules and reigns. It's where the Sovereign of the universe rules with power and might. And it's to that throne that the people of God throughout the ages have run to, have 
fled to, have cried out to in their hour of trial and crisis. It's to that throne Elijah prayed and the fire fell and the people cried, the Lord, He is God. It's to that throne that Joshua prayed and the sun literally stood still and God gave His people a glorious victory over the enemy. It's to that throne that Hannah prayed through her shame and through her sorrow and her barren womb became fruitful. She received a son and God's nation received the greatest of its prophets. It's to that throne that Moses prayed and the judgment of God was held back from a rebellious people and God gave him a second chance. Aren't you glad that through prayer you can get a second chance and you can get a fresh start and you can have a new beginning? Somebody say amen in God's house. Oh, it's through that throne. It's to that throne that prayers were lifted up. And the dead child came back to life. It's through that, to that throne. Godly King Hezekiah came into agreement with the mighty prophet Isaiah when Jerusalem was surrounded. Looked like it had no hope. It was ready to go under. But they cried out to God. And one night God sent an angel. 185,000 enemy soldiers laid dead. And God's city was spared. But someone went to a throne that was greater than the Assyrian throne or greater than the Roman throne. There is a throne that's greater than all the thrones and the authorities of man. It's called the throne of grace. we Go through the name of Jesus. But once we get that we find help, we find mercy, we find provision for each and every need. Can you say amen? Oh, I want someone to know there is another throne. Friend, that's why we have prayer meeting. Come on out to prayer meeting. You need to pray. We don't have it for our sake, but I have it for your sake. I know church people don't pray. I've been in this thing long enough. I know, I know. Don't tell me. I didn't get off the truck yesterday. I've been senior a lot of years here. Quarter of a century just doing... Oh, I know I don't look that old, but you know what I'm saying. Amen? Come out and pray. Come out and pray. Come out and pray. Don't wait till the kid backslides. Pray so they don't backslide. Amen. Come on out and pray. I'll ask you to cry for the church for a while, but you'll have plenty of time to pray for your needs and pray for your grandbabies. Pray for your sick. Just come on out and pray. You, you, can, you can skip Jeopardy once a, once a week, can't you? I mean, you can once in a while. Put it on tape or something like that. Amen. Vanna will be there when you get back. I mean, but come out and find a place and cry out to God. Find a place to appeal to the throne that's above every throne. Oh, Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm telling you, there is a place where we can go. Why? Are we special? Yes, we are. We've been washed in the blood of Jesus. We've been filled with the Spirit of God. Yes, you better believe it. Not everyone is a child of God. Only those that have received Christ into their life. They might be His creations, but they're not God's children until they call on Jesus and walk with the Lord. But then they have a right and a privilege that's beyond others. Then they're born into a kingdom that is eternal and everlasting. Then they can come boldly with confidence before that throne of grace and pour out their hearts and get God to move in their lives and watch the wonders of heaven explode in their being. Glory to God. There's another throne. And we have been given permission and access to that throne. Jesus said, come to the Father in my name. Ask that you might receive that your joy would be full. We can approach that throne. Cast our cares and burdens. Let's lay claim to that promise we have as believers. Let's cling to that blessing. Let's appropriate, take advantage of the wonderful benefits we have as sons and daughters of the living God. Hebrews 4 and 16, we should know this, but let's look at this together. 
Let us. The Spirit of God says, come on, come on, let us. Come boldly. That means with confidence. That means if you're washed in the blood, you can come with the confidence that God will accept you, that God's there to listen to you, that God desires for you to come. We've all gone places you know they didn't really want us there. Anybody? They invited you and you wondered why they invite me. Amen? If this is how they treat people they invited, I'm sure glad I didn't crash this party. Anyone? Yeah. 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 But the Bible says, let us. Let us. Who's the thus? That's the church. That's the Christian. Are you a Christian? All right. Let us come confidently, boldly, to the throne of grace. Aren't you glad it's not called judgment? Aren't you glad it's not the throne of I told you so? I need grace. Isn't that right? (laughs) Because he wanted to tell me so he could tell me so. Amen? And when we're there, we're going to obtain some mercy. Anybody need mercy? Yeah, mercy for them past messes. Hallelujah. And grace for our present need. Grace to help in the time of need. What time is that? That's right now. (laughs) What time is that? Just when you need it. Amen? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Taking a closer look. There are two enemies. Let's recognize and fight the right enemy with the right weaponry. But there are two thrones. Let's climb and appeal and look to the highest one. The one that has all power and authority. Glory to God forevermore. Verse 7 says, suddenly. Man, when people are praying, you never know what's going to break loose. Amen? I mean, when people are praying. Isn't that right? How many times you pray and you pray and you pray. Sometimes you're wondering, Lord, anything happened? And then all of a sudden, for, oh, something happened. I mean, suddenly, verse 7, an angel appeared and a light filled the cell. angel said something to Peter, something very interesting. He says, get up, get dressed, and get out. We're getting out of here. Amen. You know, it's interesting in your devotional time, an inspiring study to follow the God's call to men and women to stand up, to rise up, to get up. Sometimes you take your concordance and you go through that. Bless your heart. To some people that have failed, that have fallen, they've been defeated. God says, get up. Sin doesn't have to win. Get up. Let me forgive you and let me restore you and let me get you back into Get up. Joshua fell one time after a terrible, terrible defeat. He wanted to give up and turn around and give up and go back to Egypt. He wondered why he even bothered, but God showed up to get up. No, 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 let me forgive you. Get up, and I'll get you back in the race, and I'll get you back in the battle. You might be listening to me. You might have fallen. The devil says there's no hope for you. The devil is a liar. If you'll rise up and let God forgive you, if you'll rise up and say, Lord, I'm sorry, if you'll rise up and start doing things the way God wants you to do, He'll restore, He'll revive, He'll get you back into the battle, He'll get you back into the race. Get up, get up, get up! Others might be in an area where people are pressing you down and people that don't know God and people don't love God. They're trying to oppress you and they're trying to pressure you. And it's easy just to succumb to that. It's easy just to cower to that. But he says, get up, rise up. If you'll stand, if you'll stand, if you'll stand for me, I'll stand with you. Rise up, rise up, rise up. And be bold and be strong for I'm with thee and I will defend thee. Don't cower down, don't lay. Raise up and be bold in your identification with Jesus. 
Jesus. Let the world around you know I'm a Christian. I serve the Lord. I love Jesus. Regardless of what they say, regardless of their threats, stand up and be bold for me and I will stand with you and I will defend you and I will honor your faith and I will reward you for your faithfulness. Stand up! Stand up to another man. The Bible says that God speaks to those that are sensing the stirring of the Spirit to those that might be sensing a prompting or a word in their heart. He says don't neglect it. He says don't ignore it, but respond to it. Rise up and believe. Rise up and go forward. Rise up and act on the Word that God has spoken to your heart. There was a man in Acts the 14th chapter. He had been lame since birth. But as Paul preached, somehow Paul recognized he had faith to be healed. I don't know if Paul just knew it. I don't know if there was a special gift in operation that Paul could perceive it. But Paul recognized this man had faith to believe. He'd never walked a day in his life. A grown man, born lame from his mother's womb. But faith was stirring. The Spirit of God was speaking to him. And Paul says, rise up! Rise up! Don't ignore what God is speaking to you. Don't ignore the moving of the Spirit in your heart. Rise up and step out of that boat. Rise up and respond to the Word of the Lord and watch the miracle flow and watch the breakthrough come. Rise up and respond to the Word God is speaking to your heart. Rise up and respond to the prompting and the prodding of the Holy Ghost. Rise up and be healed. Rise up and be free. Rise up and be made brand new. Rise up and leave that old place of sorrow and enter into an inheritance of blessing and joy. And oh, somebody say amen. Without the Word, get up. Rise up. Stir yourself up and believe God. And trust God. Go after God. Go after God. Someone said, I failed. Everybody failed. Get up and try again. If God is calling, respond to the Word of God. Respond to the voice of the Spirit dealing. Respond and go after God. Get up. Rise up. One of my most favorite stories with those words are, are, are four, four broken, broke, busted, and disgusted men. Four lepers. And they said to themselves, let us arise. Let us arise. You remember that story? In a hopeless, helpless situation. But they refused to lay down and die. Instead, they said, let us arise. Let's get up and let's walk on with God. Somebody, when things look hopeless, refuse to surrender your hope. But get up and let God work. But rise up and walk on with Jesus. He'll still make a way even where there seems to be no way. He is still a defender. He is still a provider. He will still work all things together for your good. Somebody, you might be in a place where part of you says, I don't even want to try again. I want you to know God is calling for you to rise up and believe one more time and to go after God one more time and to keep the Lord before you and to cast your burden upon Him. But walk on, walk on, walk on loving Jesus. Walk on trusting Jesus. Walk on knowing that He who began a good work in you, He's going to finish that work. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. Rise up and walk on for God is going to work His good work in your life. Hallelujah!
Oh, it's too soon to quit. You've come too far to turn back now. You've gone through too much to give up now. If you're going to go, go shout in the praises of your Lord and your King. If you're going to go, go with a declaration that I love the Lord and God has been good to me. Go ahead. If you're facing your last week on this earth, go ahead and face it with a song of praise in your mouth and a sincere hope in your heart knowing that I do not walk alone, but He that redeemed me so many years ago. He's with me. He never forsakes me. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Someone give Jesus a praise. My God. My God. My God. Oh, there's another throne. There's another throne. Yes, there is. Taking a closer look. There are two enemies. Let's recognize and fight the right one. Two thrones. Let's look and call on the highest one. We spend a lot of time bellyaching to the wrong people, don't we? Man, man, some people get black belt and bellyaching. But that don't change things, does it? Prayer does. Faith does. Standing on God's Word does. Am I right or am I right? Am I giving you Bible or is this Bible? Isn't that true? We've got to take our burden to the right one. It's all right to have cares. We all have cares. You can't live in this life not have cares. In this world you shall have trouble. Jesus said that. Amen? I mean, if Jesus said it, it is. Isn't that right? Well, no sense in denying them. No sense in ignoring them. But it's how we deal with them. I want to deal with them according to the Word of God. I take them to God. I stand on the Word of God. Amen? I cast them on God. Two enemies, two thrones, two promises. Two promises. Let's believe God's promise. There's a lot of words out there. Whose report will you believe? See, Herod promised to kill Peter, but God promised to keep Peter. Now you think about this. Peter's sleeping so soundly. I mean, there's no night quill. Amen. He didn't take none of that. What's that? Melatonin? What's that stuff? What's that stuff? Yeah, yeah. They got them in gummy bears. Oh, my Lord, have mercy. No, Peter didn't have any of that. What do you have? He had peace of God. Ooh, oh, the peace of God. Something about that peace of God in there. You know, when you walk with God, people sometimes think you're crazy, don't they? I mean, people that don't know God, right? You're going through things and you just got the peace of God. You know, you prayed it out. You prayed it out. You go back in that throne. You get in that back room and you and the Lord, you cry, you weep, you praise, you get the breakthrough, right? But the world don't know that. They don't know the Lord. And then you walk and you face things. They look, what's wrong with you? What do you mean what's wrong with me? But you said you're going, I am going through X, Y, and Z. But, 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 how come? Just had a little talk with Jesus. Told him all about my troubles. Amen? Oh, I went to the burden bearer and cast that burden upon the Lord. He said He'll sustain me. He's sustaining me. I just got a reminder of what I knew all along. But sometimes it's good that the Spirit reminds us. Isn't that right? You go through the battle. And we know the things, but it's good to get in that prayer closet and pray. And sometimes the Spirit has to remind us so we have a fresh encouragement for it. But oh, Peter slept so soundly. That wonderful peace of God, friend. True rest is found in Jesus. True, in this world, you need rest. Amen. A lot of people are very restless. But true rest is found in Jesus. People are very anxious. But the peace that passes understanding is found in Jesus. You see, Peter had God's peace and Peter had God's promise. You know, towards the end of John's Gospel, the 21st chapter, Jesus told Peter that he would die one day as an old man being crucified. 
So Peter knew he wasn't going to die as a young man by decapitation. Peter knew the word of God could not be broken. So regardless of what Herod said, Peter knew what Jesus had said. So he knew, I'm not going that way. God's going to bring me through this trial. Peter had God's peace. Peter had God's promise. Wow. And he knew the word of the Lord could not be broken. Peter rested his head on the pillow of that promise and fell soundly asleep. I don't know how good I'd be sleeping with that. I mean, let's be honest here. Amen. I'd be biting those fingernails down to the elbows if the God don't come in. You know what I mean? I mean, let's be honest, right? You know how it is. But somehow Peter, he hung on to that word and he received that peace. Amen. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, let your request be made known to your neighbor. No, no, no. Let your request be made known unto God. And if you'll do that with a little bit of thanksgiving, God says, go ahead and express a little faith in this thing. Go ahead and and, and show me you believe me even before I act. Go ahead and show me some faith with thanksgiving. And as we the thanksgiving goes up, guess what? Peace comes down. And the Bible says, the peace of God. Not the peace of NyQuil. Not the peace of whatever. The peace of God that passes all understanding. It's supernatural. Amen. It's supernatural, it's supernatural in its origin and in its operation. I mean, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart and guard your mind. Isn't that right? That mind needs the peace of God. When bad news comes, the mind. Right? And that devil goes to mind, isn't it right? If you've got trouble sleeping, maybe you need a new pillow. I'm not talking about what that guy selling on TV all the time. Save your money. Amen. I'm talking about the pillow of God's promise. <laughs> See, you don't have to, you don't have to um, be a Greek or Hebrew scholar to walk close with God. You just have to have an effort of life that chooses to walk close with God. Isn't that right? You don't even got no Italian. Isn't that true? I mean, we just, you just got to spend time in that book. I never get Pastor Veach. He went to be with the Lord just not long ago. But he said, growing up and out in the farms of Ohio, he said, we, we had a pastor. He, he said, he was an ignoramus, but man, he knew God. Didn't I? I mean, he, he, he never, he didn't graduate. I don't think he made it, you know, through the ninth, tenth grade. But the old farmer, you know, but God called him. And so he'd farm and pastor a little country church. And he didn't, he didn't have any education. He said, but he knew that book and he knew God. I never forget, he was an ignorant, but he knew God. You see, you, you don't need all that to know God. You, God's given you a book. We all got time to spend time with God. I'm telling you, just some basic promises. You don't got to know the deep truths of the universe. But just believe what you believe. And just get some basic promises in your heart and live with them. And I'm telling you, your life can take on a whole new dimension of victory and consistency. Some of the most famous promises that I have. And nothing deep. How about this one? Everyone knows this one. Psalm 23, verse 1. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Man, when I just, the Lord, is Joe shepherd? Wow. When I think about the constant, continual care of Jesus over my life, that brings a rest to my heart. I don't know about you. Amen? Because I don't know, forget knowing tomorrow. I don't know the next minute what's going to happen. But just to know, you know what, Jesus, you're my shepherd. And you're watching over my life. Oh, thank you, Lord. 
What a peace comes. Just when I, Lord, you, you got me covered. Thank you, Lord. Because life's too much for me. Amen. Uh, life's too much for me. Amen. I don't, I'm, I'm just saying, but to know Jesus is shepherding my life. Well, well, it gives me a peace. That gives me a great peace. I'm comforted to know Jesus is taking care of me. Amen. Psalm 46 and verse 1 is another one. Very simple. God is Joe's refuge. There's a place I can hide when things get scary. Amen. There's a place I can go and I didn't like what the doctor just said. There is a place I can run to when someone threatened me and I don't really. God is my refuge and God is my strength. A very present help in time of trouble. I don't know about you, but sometimes you call the prayer line busy signal. No, no. I need help right now, Lord. Amen. Can't get a connection. You know, I'm broke down. Can't get it. But I, He's a very present help. When trouble comes, He is there. When trouble comes, if no one else is there, if no one else cares, Jesus is there and Jesus cares. I love that God is my refuge. He's protecting me man, from the devil's lies and the devil's threats. He's protecting me from the things that have accused me. He's protecting me. God is my refuge and God is my strength. He gives me the strength I need to face what i got to face. How about that? A very present help. Oh, He's there. He's there. Oh, I know it's nice when you pray with one another, but just to know that even when no one else is there, He's a very present help. He's not one of these that check is in the mail. Forget that. I need help now. Isn't that right? I'll give you my third. Very simple. They're simple, but I'm just saying if you can believe what you believe, it doesn't have to be complicated or overly deep. Isn't that right? One one that's kept me all through the years. You know, but mistakes are costly. And if you're leading a family, your decision affects everyone else. Right? Responsibility. You've got authority. You've got people in your sphere. But, you know, your kingdom might only have three people other than yourself. But that's your kingdom. We've got to make decisions. You know, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with what? All your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways. Acknowledge Him. Appeal to that throne. Cast your care and burden upon the Lord. And He shall, He will direct your paths. Wow! He shall. If I do my part, God will do His part. So one thing I know is a lot of times I don't know tomorrow, pick door A, B, or C. I don't know. But Lord, I know I'm going to acknowledge You and I'm going to seek You. And You said You shall. Direct me and guide me. In a world that can be very confusing in the natural, in a world that can be very um, complicated and very, you know, changing, right? In the natural, it's good to know that our God says, if you trust in me with all your heart, and don't lean, don't lean on your own, don't get, but acknowledge me, I will, I shall. I'll direct you and I'll guide you and I'll be with you. Isn't that wonderful? I'm talking about there are two enemies and there are two thrones and there's two promises. And you and I that love the Lord, we can rest our head on the pillow of God's promise. And whatever we're facing, receive that peace and have that assurance and walk on in the victory. Amen. 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 All right, let's pray. Let's pray together. Let's pray.
And my promises are yes and amen. And as you rest, you're all upon my good word. You will see my love prevail in your life. You will see my faithfulness prevail in your life. You will see and experience my mercies that are new every morning prevail in your life. I ask you not to figure it out. I ask you not to work it all out in your natural. I ask you to rest upon my word and watch the working of my hand. For I will display my goodness and my compassion and my faithfulness in your situation as you rest, as you look, as you lay your head upon the pillow of my promise, I will shine forth and I will unfold and I will untie and I will scatter the darkness that tries to surround you and crowd you and confuse you. And I will shine forth the light that will enable you to know where to put your foot to know where to take that next step. And things that seemed very cloudy, though they might not be broad, they will be very clear. And you will recognize the accurate choice and the accurate response that you are to take. But in order to release my goodness in such a way, I require your faith to rest and to believe and to embrace the word that I have spoken to you in your devotional time. The word that I have been speaking again and again in your heart. Rest on that present word and watch the wonderful working of my hand in your life, saith the Lord. See, folks, Peter slept and God worked because the people prayed. And you can rest. After you've prayed, you can rest. Be assured God's going to work. Let me pray this prayer. And I want you to just to pray with me. Let's reach out to God together as we close. Let's just reach out to God. Whatever your need is, let's reach out to God as we pray. Father, I thank You for these dear ones that are here this morning. Lord, You know they love You. And You know all of us need You. So Lord, as we call on You right now, bringing our present need, our burdens, our situations, bringing them to that throne that's above every throne, bringing them with the faith and a confidence and an assurance that You hear and You care and You are willing and able to reach into our lives. Father, in the name of Jesus, let Your power fall on this congregation. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray, let chains of sickness, of heaviness, of fear, break and melt right now. In the name of Jesus, let them be freer, free from that unnatural fear. Free from that unnatural fear and anxiety. Father, let doors of blessing and opportunities open. And Father, I pray that You would grant answers. 
in response to earnest, prevailing prayer. Father, grant answers to the cries of this people. Oh God, send forth your angels to work in the lives of your people. In the name of Jesus, we thank you, Lord. And all God's people said, Amen. God bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday. Don't forget your offering. Most, um, distance as you go. God bless. Hallelujah.